Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So the message today is called Open the Door. As we go through scriptures, I want to, I just want to, uh, you know, reveal this to us. Not only to you, but to me as I study this, it really, really convicted my heart because sometimes when we come to God, we take him for granted. I don't know about you, but I do. I take my relationship with the Father for granted at times. It's like I get to a place where I'm just walking with God and it's, yes, I've been a Christian for this long, for this many years, and I know the Bible and I know things about you, God, but it comes to a place where it becomes routine. Have you ever been there? Or is it just me? We've all been there. And I pray this message this morning would resonate with you, would encourage you, would challenge you to live for Jesus. Because when this life is over, you know, they say the average age, I was reading, the average age in the world is about 73 years old. Who's 73 or who's above 73? I pray I get to that age. Personally, I don't know. We'll live that. I'm, I'll be 53 this year. I don't know if I'll see that age, hopefully, because I'm expecting Jesus to come. I really am. I'm expecting him to come and to save and to establish his kingdom. And if you are too, Say amen. Amen. All right, that's what I want to hear. Okay, let's, what I want to do this morning is is I want to read the whole scripture that we're going to cover, and then I want to give you a brief summary of it, and then we're just going to go through the scripture by scripture. That's That's the philosophy of Calvary Chapel. We look at verse by verse, precept by precept. Amen? Okay, if you have the scriptures up, we can go ahead and read it. Okay. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Let's read God's word. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Verse 25, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets, God. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me all you workers of evil. Verse 28. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Verse 29. And people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, And some are first who will be last. The word of God. 
So just a brief summary. I always, when I study scripture, I like to know the background of what is going on in that day. Because it really doesn't apply to us until we understand what's going on during this time. And then we could use what God's word to apply it to our lives in our time today. So a brief summary of the Gospel of Luke. So the Gospel of Luke begins by telling us about Jesus' parents, right? The birth of his cousin, John Baptist, Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem, where Jesus is born in a manger. And it also tells us the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus through his Mary, through his mother, Mary. So Jesus' public ministry reveals his perfect compassion and forgiveness as you read through the book of Luke. Through the stories, some of the stories that are very familiar to us as believers are the stories of the prodigal son, right? The rich man and Lazarus, the good Samaritan. While many believe in this, in this incredible love that surpasses all human limits, God's love is unconditional. Many others, especially the religious leaders during his days, challenged Jesus and opposed the claims of Jesus. So this is what's happening in Luke. So Jesus' followers are encouraged to count the cost of discipleship in Luke. They're encouraged to count the cost of following Jesus. And while his enemies seek Jesus' death on the cross, finally Jesus is betrayed, tried, sentenced, and crucified. But the grave cannot hold him. Amen? The grave cannot hold Jesus. His resurrection assures the continuation of his ministry, and that's why we are here today. Jesus' ministry is seeking and saving the lost. That's the bottom line of why he came, is to seek and save the lost, those who are his. So the Gospel of Luke gives us a beautiful picture of how compassionate our Savior is. As you read through Luke, you will see that. Jesus was not turned off by the poor and needy. And you could see that throughout the Gospels. He wasn't turned off by them. In fact, they were a primary focus of his ministry, was to the poor and to the needy, to the people that were lost, that needed to be saved. He didn't come to save the religious people. If you're religious... He didn't come to save the know-it-alls, if you know it all this morning. He came to save the poor and the needy, and that's, we are all in there, right? We are poor and in need of Jesus. So Israel at the time of Jesus was a very class-conscious society. They had snobbish people. They had the religious people. They had different classes in their society, just like we do today. Right? Just like we do today, we have different class of people in our society. So the weak, Jesus came to the weak and to the broken, to the lost, to the hippies, to the powerless. He came, especially with the message that the kingdom of God is near you. Luke 10, 9 tells us, the kingdom of God is near you. 
And that's what Jesus is telling these people. This is a message we, we must carry to those around us who desperately need to hear about our good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you think you have people in your family that need to hear this message? Do you think you have co-workers, people that you're around, your classmates? Do you have people in your life that need to hear this message, this good news that you have? Christian, are there people in your life, in your sphere of influence that need to hear about Jesus? Yes. Yes. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near you, in Luke 10, 9. This is a message we must carry to those who need it. The spiritual need back then was very, very great. The spiritual need that we have now in this world is very, very great. Don't you think so? Don't you think you look around? There's no answers to the brokenness that's going on in this world right now. You may, you know, people can put band-aids on it. There's not a solution without the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians must follow the example of Jesus and bring the good news of salvation to the spiritually poor in Lubbock, Texas, at Texas Tech, at Covenant, at your place of work, in your family. The kingdom of God is near and the time grows shorter every single day that we live. Tomorrow's not promised to you guys. Tomorrow's not promised to us. What are you going to do with that time that you have? I like to pray in the mornings that God gifted me this life. He gifted me this day. What am I going to do with this day? How am I going to live? How am I going to love? How am I going to impact those around me at work, those around me here at church, those around me in my family. How am I going to do that? Only through the power of Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit. So let's look at Luke chapter 13, verse 22 to 24, and we could break it down as we go along. Are you still with me? Or are we, uh, is this too much for you? Okay, Luke 13, 22 to 24, it says this. When Jesus, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. My first point I want to make is the kingdom of God has a narrow door. To enter into his kingdom, there is a narrow door. There are not many doors. There is one way, and that's through Jesus. The question that's asked here is, in those days, you know, and we do it today. Man, you know, who you think he's going to go into the kingdom? 
man, that guy, he's a murderer, he's a, he's a womanizer. I don't think he's ever going to make it to the kingdom. We do that today within ourselves. The question is, the question is not, the question is who or how many is not the most important question, right? To ask, but you and I, you and I need to be concerned about our own selves. Are we in the kingdom? We don't need to be asking who will be in the kingdom. We don't know people's hearts. We should be concerned about, am I going to be in the kingdom? I could care, you know, I do care, but I'm not so much concerned about their salvation if I'm not in love with Jesus and walking and following after him. So let's talk about the narrow gate, because I think this is very important, right? The narrow gate is also called the narrow door, is referred to by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Let's look at it. Do you have that scripture up? Matthew 7, 13, 14? Okay. And look, look at this. I think this is very important. If you have this, if you have your Bible, you could underline, highlight this verse. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew 7, 13, 14. So Jesus compares the narrow gate to the broad road here, which leads to destruction, destruction or hell. And Jesus says that many will not be on that road. That many will be on that road, the broad road to hell. By contrast, Jesus says that the small Jesus says that small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What exactly is meant by this? Just how many are the many and how few are the few, right? Jesus, what are you saying here? First, we need to understand that Jesus is the door, right? Do you understand that? Do we know that? It's Jesus is the only way to salvation. It's not you coming to church. It's not you praying. It's not you being religious, you being a good person, a good citizen, none of that's going to save you. The only door that we come to is narrow, and that door is Jesus Christ. We see that in our world today. There's so many different ways that people think they could come to Jesus. They can come and enter kingdom, his kingdom, his heaven. But there's only one way, and that is a person, Jesus. There's no other way because he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. It says, he alone is the truth and the life. The way to eternal life is restricted to just one way. That's kind of hard. That's kind of hard to bear, right? That's, that's like, you know, then people ask the questions, well, there's many roads to heaven. No, there's only one road. You can't make your own way to heaven. It's not your show. We must follow what God has to say in his word. In this sense, the way is narrow because it is the only way and relatively few people will go through the narrow gate. Many more will attempt to find a different way to God. They will try to get there through man-made rules and regulations, through false religion, we see that today, or through self-effort, right? 
These who are many will follow the broad road that leads to eternal destruction, while the sheep hear the voice of the good shepherd and follow him along the narrow way to eternal life. John 10, 7, 7 through 11 tells us. Have you entered the door to the kingdom of God? If you're here church this morning, I assume you are because we're, we're here because we want to grow in our faith and our walk with Jesus. While there will be relatively few who go through the narrow gate compared to the many on the broad road, there will still be multitudes who will follow after the good shepherd, right? The Apostle John saw this multitude in, in uh, a vision in the book of Revelation. If he has it, Revelation 7, 9, 9, and 9 through 10 says this, After this I looked, and this is John having a vision, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. Entering the narrow gate is not easy. Right? Entering the narrow gate is not easy. Think about how you got saved. You know, you guys are young. When I, I grew up in the church, my father was a deacon in the church. We were very heavily involved in the Samoan congregation church. I heard about Jesus, and but it never impacted me until I was saved by his Holy Spirit, January of 2000. I grew up around church, but I never knew who Jesus was. And all that time, he's chased after me, chased after me. I can look back at my life, and I'm like, God, how God orchestrated that, how he orchestrated um, us meeting out in Arizona, how he orchestrated for us to move from Arizona to California, how he saved us from California, how he called us here to Lubbock, Texas. I can look back to my life and see the, see the glory upon glory upon glory what God has done. God has done that in your life too as well. Think about the glory and the glory where he took you from, from a different place, a different time, and how he increased your faith as you walked with him, as you trusted him. God is so good. Because entering the gate is not easy. So Jesus made this very clear. When he instructed his followers to strive, look at that word in verse 24. Luke chapter 13, verse 24 it says, strive. What is this word? Strive. It sounds like I got to work for my salvation, right? Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. So let's look at this word called strive. Strive to do so. The Greek word, here's your Greek. Where he was asking me, are you going to go over a Greek word or something? Yes, here we go. The Greek word translated strive here is agonizomai. Agonizomai. Can we say it? Agonizomai? That, that's the Greek word for strive, from which we get the English word agonize. To agonize, to strive. The implication here is that those who seek to enter the narrow gate must do so by struggle and strain, like a running athlete straining toward the finish line. 
all muscles locked up. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to give my age. Well, I already gave you guys my age. Back in high school, uh, when PE, you had to take PE, and you had to do a mile like every week. Man, I could remember those days. You could, you had to do a mile and I'm running. I'm like, man, this, and we had to run our, you know, our school is not a very rich school. You know, we had to run through gates and anyways, we had to run a mile. And by the time one lap would finish, I was like, man, I'm done with this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. But your PE teacher is right behind you. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. So I'm like striving, striving to make it to the end of the mile, four laps. And I can remember one time I was in track in high school, and I was very lazy about uh, practicing. I would always make, make excuses, but, you know, I was gifted enough. God allowed me to run faster than most of the kids in school. And so the track teacher came, and he was like, hey, we need somebody to run the 400 because one of the guys is out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll beat all these guys at the 400. The 400 meters is like one lap around. Do you guys understand? The 400 meters is like one lap, and this is like, bam, go as fast as you can. And keep in mind, I never practiced this. You know, I don't practice that. I'm just fast, and I think that I'm, I'm fast for like 50 to 100 yards. But after that, it's like, so anyways, we get, we get to the track, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to blow all these guys out. And so, you know, we're all there. There's probably like eight of us or so. And bam, the gun takes off, the gun shoots, and I run, and I'm beating everybody. I'm looking around, I'm like, man, ain't nobody around me. I'm going to easily take this. Keep in mind, I never practiced 400. My races were all the short ones. I'm like, yeah, I blew everybody out the 100. I'm getting to the 200, and I look behind, oh, man, this guy's catching me. When you're not practicing for those types of races, races your endurance just shuts down. I gave it all I can, the first 100, the first 150, maybe even the 200. After that, I felt everything inside of me say, you're done. <laughs> and I was agonizing to finish that race. Long story short, I was like almost the last one to come across <laughs> the line. And my coach comes out to me and goes, man, you did really well. If you ran the 200, 100, you won, but, you know, you need to practice on those distance running. Agonizing, straining to finish that race. This is what Jesus is telling us. This is what the Word of God is telling us. To strain to find the door because... Praise God that we are all saved this morning and we're here. But there are people who are straining and going through doors that leads to death and hell and destruction, right? Think about the many religions that are today that people are chasing after. Think about all the self-effort that people put on themselves to try to earn their way to heaven. Think about it. They're striving, they're looking, but they need to come to the narrow door who is Jesus. Because he is the only door that leads to salvation. He's the only one. No amount of effort 
will ever save us. Salvation is by the grace of God through the gift of faith. As we go through the book of Ephesians, we are blessed that Pastor Ben has broken that down. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, if he has it, it'll be up there. No one will ever earn heaven by striving for it. But earning the narrow, but entering the narrow gate is still difficult because of pride, human pride. Because of our natural love for sin. It's hard to find the narrow gate when we depend on ourselves and not Jesus. Also, think about the devil and his minions, the opposition of Satan and the world in which he controls all of which battle, uh, battle against us in the pursuit of eternity, going through the narrow door, right? Look at what people are chasing today. Look what they're chasing. They're chasing fulfillment. In what? They're chasing contentment. In what? They may be chasing something that's good, but ultimately it will lead to destruction. It will lead to eternal separation. It will lead to hell. What are you chasing this morning? Are you chasing hard after God? Luke 13, 25 to 27 says this. When once the master of the house has risen, has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity or evil. The door will not be open forever for you and I. This door will shut. It's going to shut when you die without Jesus. It will shut when Jesus comes back. The question is today for you and I, are you in the door? Did you go through the door? Are you in the kingdom of God? Or are you still searching? The world is searching for all these false doors that leads to destruction. The door will eventually be shut. And and right here in this passage, Jesus is talking to them. You know, we are all, you know, we are all believers here in this church, and you are in the proximity. We are near the kingdom of God. We are near what God is speaking to you about this morning. We are near the word of God. We hear the worship music. We are near his presence. When you are in proximity to God, you have to make a decision for yourself. What are you going to do about that? And these people are asking Jesus, Jesus, we ate with you. We were with you. We walked with you. Why did you shut us out? Because you never came in. Right now you're hearing the message that God wants you to hear. Are you in the door? Did you come in or are you still outside trying to search, trying to search for fulfillment or trying to search for every other door that doesn't lead you to life but to death?
Proximity to the door is false hope. We must choose to enter the door to reap the kingdom of God. If all we know is everything about the door but never enter in it, we will be left outside knocking, just like these people here, knocking to have the door open. Choose today to open that door. Choose today to open that door. Open that door to Jesus, right? Wouldn't it be sad if we here in church are outside when God comes? Now you're taking this like, man, he's, this is a scary message. It should scare us, right? It's, it's life and death. What are you going to do? It's life and death. Don't play with it. God is telling you, open the door to Jesus. Come in. Don't think you can come in and clean up yourself. Come messed up. Come messed up like those hippies. Come messed up like those rock and roll kids, like those rapper kids, like those messed up people. Come messed up when you think you have everything together. Because you still need to go through that one door. Jesus. That's the only door. Let's look at Luke 13, 28. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Listen, this passage should, should let us know that hell is a real place for those who never enter the door. We love God and his grace and his mercy and love, but hell is a real place that people are going to even today. Even today, somebody is dying right now. Where are they ushering into? What door have they gone through? Let's finish it off, because I know you, I, I get pretty intense in some of this, because I get just so excited about God's Word. So, let's finish out. Luke 13, 29 and 30, it says this. And people will come from east and west, from north and south, to recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, and behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The point here is there's going to be a surprising population in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is really going to shock you. What do I mean by that? Kingdom people will shock us. We all come through the same door no matter who we are. We're going to be kingdom people only by God's grace when we enter in the narrow door of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those we think will be there may not be there. Look around you guys. I assume and I pray that all of us will be in the kingdom. But this tells us, don't assume that. Isn't that sobering for you and I to really think about? God, I've done all this stuff for you. God, I've walked with you. God, I've prayed prayers. God, I went to prayer meeting. God, I went to uh, church on Sundays and Wednesdays, maybe Saturdays. God, I did this ministry. God, I did this. Those we think will be there may not be those, may not be there in the kingdom. 
We must all come through the door no matter what your background is, your status, your religion. I'm going to cover everything. Your morality, your works, your color, your nationality, those who are good citizens, which we should be because we belong to the kingdom and we need to represent God well, right? Those who are good citizens, patriotic to whatever you identify with, right? I'm a patriotic to the United States of America, the best country in the world, or patriotic to whatever nationality you are. Church-going folks like you and I, check this out, murderers, the hippie, the educated, Republicans, Democratic, liberals, conservatives, race, gender, rich or poor, we all must come through that narrow door. Who is Jesus? I don't care how good you think you are. You still need Jesus. I don't care how messed up, how sinful, how messed up you are. If you're alive and breathing, you still need Jesus. The question to you and I today are, as you hear me now, is have you opened the door and enter into the kingdom of God? You are in the proximity as you hear my voice, as you are here in this building. You are in the proximity of the things of God. And what are you going to do about it today as you hear this message? What will be your response? The scriptures tell us that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Will you believe and trust to open the narrow door, which is only Jesus, and be one of the few that find the way? Because all the other ways, all the other religions, all everything, I'm putting all everything, all, will lead you to death and destruction, to hell, right? Everything. Will you believe and trust to open the narrow door, or will you be one of the many that will be left out? We need to strive to enter through the narrow door. Simply put, striving is rejecting anything Jesus plus for salvation. We need to strive to reject our works, our anything else, Jesus plus dot, dot, dot. You name the dot. Put it in. You need to reject that. It's Jesus only. And we need to receive what Jesus has already done. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing. There is nothing you can do To save yourself. That's a very hard message to hear, right? Because we all want to work to please. I want to work to please my wife in, you know, our marriage. But I don't please her all the time. I want to work to please you guys here in church. But that doesn't happen all the time. We are people. We're going to hurt each other. But the common bond for us as believers is the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Open the door and enter into the kingdom of God. I know that's a very heavy message to hear, right? It's very, because you, right now, you have to make a decision. What am I going to do with everything that he said? If you've already entered the door, keep striving in your walk with God. What do I mean by that? Keep pursuing him. Keep loving him. And reading your Bible, coming to church, praying, all that stuff is part of that. But we have to come to the door. So this morning, as you can see, we also have communion up here. As the ushers come, and before we pray, I just want to give you an invitation, especially with a message like this. If you're in the kingdom of God, praise the Lord that you've entered through the narrow door and that we found it. If you are not in the kingdom of God, please, Please, it doesn't have to be a fancy prayer or anything. All you got to say is, Jesus saved me. January 2000, I walked into a church. There was probably 2,000 plus people in there. Don't remember the sermon. Don't remember the preaching. All I know is the power of his Holy Spirit reached down into my heart and saved me. It's a spiritual birth. If that's you this morning, before we take the elements, please, I encourage you, enter through the narrow door, because all the other doors are death. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for the only door that saves. That's your son, Jesus. God, it's very sobering to know that there are many who will be left out when you come back. But you've given us this time, this life right now, that we may enter into the door who is your son, Jesus, and have a relationship with you. As the elements are being passed out, I encourage you, if you're in the kingdom of God, keep striving, keep pursuing, keep loving God. If there's things you need to confess, confess it to God. You're right with Him. Sometimes our feelings and our thoughts is the worst enemy that the, is the worst weapon that the enemy can use to get us off track of our relationship with him. God loves you. He sent his son to die for each one of us. The door is available to you this morning. For you who don't know or have never entered that narrow door who is Jesus, Are you ready to do that this morning? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything special. I just simply want to tell you, confess it to him right now. Just like I did in that church many years ago, I just 
God save me. It's a work of His Holy Spirit that saves us. God save me, I'm a sinner. As the elements are being passed around, the worship team is going to play a worship song, and then we'll take the elements together. To communion, let us celebrate and remember how blessed we are as his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 to 26, Paul's writing and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do it together, church. In the same way, 
He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, we are so blessed. Adore Jesus gave his body and his blood for us. We do this in celebration and remembrance of how good he is to us. Let's drink together. As we close out with this last song, let's all stand and just worship Him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.